once again, good morning, New Life Church, uh, and good morning to our friends that are tuning and connecting through these means in our online service. Uh, if this happened to be your first time with us, uh, take note that we are going through uh, the book of Acts. is the historic account of the church in Jerusalem. And the series that we, or this series that we are going through is titled The Gospel in Motion. And today as we continue, we will enter chapter 4, which is actually a sequence of what we have seen in the past two weeks. We were dwelling in chapter 3, where we see the healing of the lame man and that miracle caused an opportunity to Peter and John to preach the gospel to the people that were in the temple. And chapter 4 will relate what happened, what this message, the proclamation of the gospel, create or cause to happen in that place. But before we proceed, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his strength and for his enablement for us to receive God's word and for us to be able to communicate it. Let's pray. Father, we humbly come before your throne. We know that there is nothing in us, O oh Lord, able to transform people's life. Lord Jesus, your word is like a hammer that can destroy the hardened heart. Your word is the fire that can consume anything, O oh Lord, that is not aligned with your will in our lives. Your word has the power to transform life and to give new perspective your word is powerful, O oh Lord, to give us a fresh fire for you, a fresh desire for you. Your word is the instrument you use to reveal yourself unto us. Therefore, Lord, in this time, we just ask that your spirit will move in our midst and will really cause us to see you in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you glorify your Son, O oh Lord, through the preaching of your word. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. At the beginning of my Christian walk, I came across a book titled Tortured for Christ. Um, I, I, I believe Pastor Garrett has already mentioned this book in one of his messages. And I, I believe also he had the opportunity to see uh, the author of uh, this book. This book was written by Richard Umbert. Richard Umbert was a pastor and an evangelical ministry who endured many years of imprisonment and torture in his homeland, Romania. And all this happened because of his faith. His faith and his love for Christ 
And also for those that on those days, they were being persecuted, believers in Christ who were being persecuted for their faith over all the world, over the world. And the repeating question that would come to my mind as I was reading the book and even seeing that graphic account of torture and persecution that Richard Umbrad faced, many questions came to my mind. One of them was, how can someone find strength, find internal disposition, find courage to keep believing in Jesus in the face of that fiercely persecution. How can we keep believing in Jesus when everything around us deny or tells us to deny him? Brothers and sisters, this is what we will see in the passage of today. After the message that Peter preached, they arose a persecution against him and John. And I don't know when the word persecution come to your mind, what do you think? What come, what is the perception? What are the thoughts that come into your mind when you hear the word persecution? But let me tell you, if you are a believer in Christ, and even if you are considering being a believer in Christ, you must take note of, of this, that God gave us many warnings in his words from Jesus' own mouth and that of the apostles that believers will suffer persecution. Believers will suffer persecution. And they will do so because of their faith and their love for our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a full package. When we come to this narrow road, the narrow path, it is the path that will lead us in facing persecution because of our faith. Consider what Paul said to, to Timothy in his second letter to Timothy, chapter 3, verse 12. The Bible says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, what? Persecuted. It will be there on your screen right now. 2 Timothy 3, 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly, a godly life in Christ will be, what? Persecuted. And Jesus himself, he said some, some words regarding persecution. Look with me in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. This is the account where Jesus was teaching in Matthew about the Beatitudes, the Sermon of the Mountain. He says there in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in John 16, 33, the last part, Jesus said, 
in the world you will have what? Tribulations. But do what? Take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. So as I say, persecution is in inevitable for us as a believers. So what, what then we need to do? What then we need, uh, or what are the, the measures, or what are the, the teachings that we need to embrace in order for us to be prepared for the persecution? This is what the chapter of today or the passage of today will teach us and will give us insight in what we need as believers to have in us for us to be able to pass through this time of persecution because it is coming. Church, it is coming. New Life Church, persecution is coming. If it is not in your life, it will come in your children's life and your children's children's life. And you as a believer, you need to be ready. Jesus Christ prepared his disciples for this time. And we as a believers, we need to prepare the next generation for this time as well. Consider this carefully. Mom and dad, consider that for the sake of your children and for the sake of your unborn grandchildren and grandchildren. The next generations are at stake. Jesus is coming, but before he will be here, persecution will arise. Why? Because the world we live in today, very clearly, don't, please, without any doubt, if you just switch on the TV again, you will see that the, the world we are living is becoming more and more and actively hostile to the values of Christian faith and towards those who desire to live in obedience to Christ, isn't it? Many of you in your workplace, you have been faced with this situation. The systems of this world, think about the financial system, the educational system, are being infiltrated with teachings, ideas, principles that are completely antagonic of our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you and me, or you and I, want to continue to uphold the truth of God's words in our personal life, in our families, even in our church, we need to learn to endure suffering and persecution for the sake of Christ if we do not want to compromise our faith. And again, our passage of today, of this morning, will teach us uh, how we can do that as we see how believers in the early church embraced and also endure persecution. I hope that I caught your attention for you to follow me now in the account of the book of Acts. As I said, this chapter 4 is right after the preaching of Peter or while Peter was preaching after they 
after the miracle that Pastor preached of the lame man that was brought into his feet again. But remember that in chapter 1, Jesus ascended to heaven and he made the promise. And the promise was that he would baptize his disciples with the Holy Spirit and he will empower them for them to become witness from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And in chapter 2, this promise of our Lord Jesus Christ was fulfilled. The disciples, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they were empowered to proclaim Christ. And after that proclamation of Peter in chapter 2, 3,000 Jews believed and were baptized, and they start devoting themselves to a new life routine marked by the apostle teaching and true fellowship. And then in chapter 3 again, Peter and John, they were going to the temple in the hour of prayer. And God, through them, healed this lame man. The miracle opened a door or another opportunity for Christ to be proclaimed by Peter and John. And they did that in the temple. And that's where we pick up from chapter 4, which leads me to my first point this morning, persecution, or the persecution from verses 1 to verse 7. Read with me as we follow God's word this morning. And as they, talking about Peter and John, were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching, they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Excuse me. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and the scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. Verse 7. And when they set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? And then we will see what was Peter and John's response on that. So the first thing that we see here is that when Peter was preaching, and John, both of them, although the main character here in the Bible that we see Luke narrating is Peter doing the speaking. When they were still preaching, and remember that they were in the temple. Yeah, they were in the temple. It was an hour of prayer. So many people came for that hour of prayer where they healed that lame man. And then they start preaching. But as they were preaching, the Bible says there in verse 1, that the captain of the temple and the Sadducee came upon them greatly annoyed because of what they were preaching. So what we understand here is that, first of all, the Sadducees were a, a, a class or 
yes, they were part of the Israel uh, members of the Sanhedrin. The Bible says that this was another group of scholars that one of their doctrines was that they will not believe or they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. That's why this particular preaching of Peter and John was against or very offensive to them. They became offensive, first of all, because Peter and John were teaching, and secondly, because they were teaching that Jesus Christ has resurrected, and those that put their faith and believe in him, they will also one day uh, resurrect. And when the Bible all over there said about the captains, the priests and the captains of the temple, those were people that were overseeing the worship, the time of prayer, and they were, make, they were making sure that not commotion will happen in the temple. And we see then that they come and they grab, they take hold of Peter and John, and they arrested them. That expression, come upon them, it implies that they came suddenly and in a violent manner. They were not calm. They were complete, completely full of anger, and they took hold of Peter and John, and they put them in prison, as verse 3 says. So one thing we can learn here is that every time that you and I will be committed to live out the gospel, it will always raise confrontation against us. Brothers and sisters, every time that you will want to hold or uphold the values of the gospel, you will be facing difficult times. Some of you in your companies, you are asked sometimes to lie or to do things that you know that your faith in Jesus will not allow you for you to do so. Even you are conscious that you cannot log in your time in your paper after the time or before the time you are arriving. You need to be honest. You cannot lie. And then suddenly your colleague can say, who do you think you are? Are you better than us? It happened with you, isn't it? If not, if you are a student, you know that you cannot look to other sources when you are doing your exam. And your colleagues will be pressuring you, do it, do it, do it. Or maybe in the Zoom, you are there, the teacher is giving all the best to teach you, but you have your camera off watching another thing and not paying attention to your teacher. So many things happen. 
This is a type of persecution we are saying here. Because it goes against the values that you hold because of your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what? At the same time, many people, they will laugh at you or make joke about you. At the same time, your testimony of life will make something in their hearts and if they are open, their life will be changed. See what verse 4 says. Verse 4 says that, But many of those who heard the word believed. So what we are saying, we are seeing here, it is even that this arrest happened to Peter and John, the effectiveness of their proclamation was seen in the belief of other people. Yes, they were suffering, but at the same time, God's kingdom was being advanced. And this is what the new you and I today, we are benef beneficiaries of the blood of people in the past that because of their faith for our Lord Jesus Christ, they gave up their life in order for us to be able to hear the gospel, to be transformed, and to have this relationship with Christ, with God, and with one another in Christ. I believe you have heard this expression, that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Brothers and sisters, please take time and try to read a little bit of the church history. See what happened over there from uh, uh, the second century, even up to the uh, 1500, 1600, and see what happened. Many people, because of their faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, they gave up their life in order for you and me to be saved following the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of many martyrs is the seed of the church. So after this, in verse 5 or verse 3, we see that because it was late or already evening, they could not do anything with Peter and John. But just try to imagine you in that position. You are jailed because of your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What are the thoughts if it happens right now in your life that you would have? I don't want to scare anyone, but you should be able to start reading these stories and to find encouragement in the presence of the Lord for the days that are at hand. John and Peter, they were in jail on that day, on that evening. Picking from verse 5, the Bible says that on the next days, they then assembled all the rulers, all the elders. They gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander. So these people, they were the same people that were in the trial of our Lord Jesus Christ and that condemned Jesus Christ also for 
the cross. And just imagine now, Peter and John standing before this Sanhedrin. All these thoughts about what happened with our Lord Jesus Christ would come to their mind. And truly enough, they were intimidated by that presence of these people. They would be shaken from inside out because they knew what these people are able to do if they go against them. And knowing what happened with Peter in the gospel, it's worthy or it's okay for us to wonder how he would respond to this threatening of these people. Because see what they said at the end of verse 7. By what power, by what power, all you guys, are you doing this? And by what name, meaning who gave you authority for you to do what you are doing? So, I believe at that time they were really threatened. And this is what the Bible says. This is, was an intimidated uh, conversation. Many of you know the story of Martin Luther. You can imagine if you see his biography, what conflict he had inside of him. Will he deny the truth? Will he deny Jesus Christ for the sake of of the system that were in place, the religious system that were in place in that time. And I believe that what Peter and John were also in their heart in conflict. This passage is not in your, in, in, it will not be in your screen, but you can take note of that. Luke 21, verses 12 to 19. The Bible over there says that Jesus Christ has promised to his disciples that they would not have to worry when they come before uh, governors to give an account or a testimony for him. I'll read for you. But before all this, Jesus Christ saying about the time, the end time, before the end time comes, they will seize you and persecute you they will hand over they, they will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name and so you will bear testimony to me but see this now Jesus saying but Make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourself. Why? For I, Jesus Christ, will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversary will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. Jesus' words. Everyone will hate you because of me. But no a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Oh, what a word. What a word. 
Jesus is promising that even in the time of persecution, he will give us words that we will defend or that will, that will enable us to proclaim him even in the midst of persecution. And this is what happens now. Okay, with this word in mind, with these words of our Lord Jesus Christ in mind, let's go to our second point this morning, the source of courage from verses 8 to verse 13. Verses 8 to verse 13. I'll just start again in verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Questioning about the preaching and the uh, healing of the lame man. Now verse 8. Then Peter, underline this, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of, peop rulers of the people and elders, if, you are, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under the heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they have been with Jesus. This is the meat of our message. In this passage that we just read, we will have insight of what do we need as a believers to have for us to be able to face persecution with courage. The first remark here, if you recall how Peter was in the gospel, remember, when Jesus was arrested before he were, was crucified, still among the trial, remember how many times did Peter uh, negate Jesus, saying that I don't know him? How many times? Three times, yeah? Uh, please, you can respond back to me, yeah? <laughs> Yeah, three times, all right? And we will see that even in the last time, the Bible says, the account of that says that he was cursing. Oh, no, I don't know why. He was completely afraid. But see now this Peter in this passage. What was different in him over here? See this Peter that knowing what these people they did to Jesus, they, he was able without being disrespectful, really confronting them in their unbelief and in their question. I believe this 
Annas and Caiaphas. And as the Bible is saying, verse 13 is saying, they perceived, they recognized that these men, they had been with Jesus. I believe it was a flashback in these people's mind when Jesus was in trial and giving them the same answers, confronting them in their unbelief, in their sin against him. So we see this. That Peter in the, in the gospel was a strong Peter. You can see sometimes a, a glimpse of his boldness. Remember that he went up to walk over the sea or to walk in the waters with our Lord Jesus Christ while everyone was afraid. He was able to confront even Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you will uh, deny me. Jesus said, no, 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 God. Everyone can deny you, but I, I will never do that. I will never do that. You see, this was a Peter that was impulsive and in many sense arrogant. And he was not, completely not dependent of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was overconfident in his own ability to follow Jesus. Many of you can be in the same point like, our Lord, uh, like Peter right now. Peter, you will deny me. No, Jesus, I will not. Persecution is coming, Peter. You will deny me. No, 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 I will not. What do you say right now? What do you answer when Jesus will say, Persecution is coming, and you will deny me. Are you confident in your own ability to follow Jesus during that time? Brothers and sisters, Jesus had to teach a lesson to Peter, and you know the story. Jesus had to teach him that no matter how confident, how strong, how intellectual, how bold in your own eyes, Peter, you are, how zealous you are for God's word, Peter, you will never be able to follow me through persecution if I would not empower you. If I will not empower you. So you ask, what was then the difference between the Peter of the gospel and this Peter that we are seeing here? Take note of that. The Bible says that Peter filled, verse 8, with the Holy Spirit said. Brothers and sisters, this is true for us, for me and for you today. Luke leaves this very clear for us, that it was because of Peter being filled by the Holy Spirit, he was able to be courage and to confront or to face persecution with the courage that was not from him, but was from God in and through the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And it is not different for us. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be individuals that are filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit. I hope you can still remember when we preached in Acts chapter 2. What is the difference of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit? I cannot really go after that again. 
But let me bring you Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, which is a command that we see in, in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. The command there is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18. So quickly, what is being filled by the Holy Spirit? Being filled by the Holy Spirit is simply when our heart is healed, we are pushed, we are caused, like God in us will cause us to go after Him. It is when we decide in ourselves to surrender our lives to our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a, a show of that love, trust that we have for God. And all this will, will be seen in the outcome obedience of God's word. We will have the desire to please God. We will have that pleasure of being in the presence of God. We will have a devoted, a dedication. We will be excited for anything that is about our Lord Jesus Christ. There will be a kind of enthusiasm in us for our Lord Jesus Christ. We will see faith arising in us. We will see in us a deeper desire of holiness. We will see a dedication to God, a dedication to His purpose. We will be a single-minded people with focus in whatever we are going in our lives to what God wants for us. We will see a transformation that we, will, we see here in Peter's life. Are these the characteristics of you as an individual, as a family, and as a church? New Life Church, is this our characteristic? Can we see this in our midst? Are we being transformed, church? Is your life today better than it was tomorrow or yesterday? And will your life be, your relationship, this walk with Christ, tomorrow better than Today, are you being transformed? Do you really see your heart craving for God, craving for knowing Him? Do you see really a burning in your heart when you listen to God's Word, when you sing? You remember the disciples in the way of Amos, yes? Uh, Luke 24. The Bible says, when Jesus was interpreting them the word of God, their heart was burning. Do you feel that burning in your heart? This is a life that is marked by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, if you are not there yet, this is the time that we have to pray God Fill us with your spirit afresh. Let me again be able to surrender my life unto you more and more. Brothers and sisters, the, great, the greatest proof of God's power in our lives is when we have our lives changed 
gradually by the word of God. Peter is an example. Because he was filled by the Holy Spirit, now he has courage to go through persecution. This persecution here is only psychological, like threatening. But as we go in the book of Acts, it will become physical. Peter and John here, they are threatened for them to compromise in the gospel, for them to deny their faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. But we will see their response. The key of the transformation of Peter and the key for him to be able to stand boldly before these people was because he was filled by the Holy Spirit. Will you pray that God will fill you afresh every day with his spirit? But don't do that if you don't have that desire. If you don't have that desire, ask, Lord, give me that desire. I want to long for you. And repent, repent for that. Brothers and sisters, Peter started now again upholding the gospel before uh, the elders and the leaders of the people of Israel. Boldly, he confessed, verse 12, that salvation is no other else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He is saying to them, look, if you want to be saved, there is no other way. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, that I am what? The way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is an exclusivity that Christianity has. There is no other way to God. The world today will say, no, there is many ways to God. You can do this, you can go there. But the Bible is giving, and it is exclusively according to God's word, to our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way. This is the truth that we believe. And because you believe this, you will be persecuted. Because people will challenge you, saying that there is other ways to Christ. There is other ways to God. But there isn't, according to God's word. Jesus Christ is the only way to our God. And this is what Peter was offering to these people. But guess what? Because of their system that they had in place, they have rejected that. See what verse 13 say again. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, these people, they were people that they knew God's word, but they didn't know the God of the word. These people, they had a religious system. They were doing everything kind, uh, supposedly according to the book, but they didn't know the God of the book. These people, they had God's word in their hands, but they have never been with our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, on Thursday, 
uh, it was Thursday, yeah. Thursday or Tuesday, on Tuesday, I met uh, Brother Samson Asare, father of our Brother Kenneth Asare. I just went there to greet him as Ken was going back to Ghana. And as I said, I was listening to his testimony. Brothers and sisters, something in you know that that person know our Lord Jesus Christ. By the wisdom, by the way he talks, by the encouragement he gives, by his humility, you see that that person know our Lord Jesus Christ. Can that be said about you? Can I say about me? Can your child father, can your child mom say to you that, or oh, notice in you that you have been with our Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not saying about quoting the scriptures only, but I'm saying about a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, a deep relationship. The difference between Peter and John and these people, these people, they were in the best seminaries of, of the time, all right? When they say here that they, these people, Peter and John, were uneducated and common men, it was because they didn't have the same uh, opportunity to go to these schools that they were, they went. But instead, Peter and John, they fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. I ask you, what was the last time you have truly, truly forget uh, the service first, individually, when was the last time you had fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you even know how to have that fellowship with Him? Better. Do you anger do you have that desire to have that fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you want to be with Him? This is the second point or second source of power. is knowing and being in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have much time to go in every details. Let's continue to my last point. The decision of courage from verses 14 to 22. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave, sorry, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do to this man? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to in the sight of God 
to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what happened. For the man who, on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So that's where we see that this man was crippled for 40 years old. But we see now that after uh, Peter and John confronted them, they say, look, go, go away, go away. We, then they had a private, a private uh, meeting. And they said, look, we cannot deny what we just see. We cannot. It is a fact. It is evident. Everyone knows about that. There is a sign that they have given us that Jesus Christ is really alive. But let's reject that and let's warn them, threaten them for them not to speak in order for this gospel not to go further. That's what this uh, junk says. Brothers and sisters, these people, they had a problem. They, they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in miracle done by faith in the name of Jesus. You see, they have evidence, life-proving facts right before them. But it is amazing how unbelief can blind some people and harden their hearts. We must take care of, uh, what say in English, like give heed or take heed of the words that we are listening day by day. Do you know, I learned this. When the word of God is preached, there is no a middle ground. Either you will reject or you will uh, accept, embrace it. And if you reject God's word in your heart, spiritually, you are hardening your heart. It is only by God's grace that you can be delivered of that. Is our heart that full of unbelief that we cannot see what God's word is teaching us this morning? It is for our good, brothers and sisters. If God is warning right now that persecution is coming, we need to start being ready. 2,000 years ago, he spoke to his disciples, and it happened, and it will happen. And it is coming, knocking the door of your house, knocking the door of your children, knocking the door of your life. We must be ready. How? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us, and let us be with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let not go through the motion of religiosity. Remember that the church in Ephesus, they were a, a good church, a good church. But God said, I have something against you that you forget your first love. Let's again bring up and pray that God will bring up that first love back to us. There is a lot to say. But let me just leave you with this decision of courage that Peter and John and the other disciples, they have. Verse 19, 
whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. Verse 20, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. What have you seen and heard from God? Brothers and sisters, when the scales of our eyes will be opened or will be removed, and we see indeed the glory of our Lord, even our life will not matter. Revelation 12, verse 11, the Bible says the following, Revelation 12, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, conquered Satan, uh, that's the contest there, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. For they love not their life even unto death. Philippians 1, 21, the Bible says, For me, Paul is saying, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Galatians 2, 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Brothers and sisters, let's pray that God will open our eyes for us to see his glory in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for us to understand that in this narrow path that we are walking, there will be persecution. And for us to be ready and to stand against that persecution, we need the spirit of the living God to empower us. And we need to walk and be with our Lord Jesus Christ in daily basis. It is this your reality. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. I always say that there is a better way of us communicating your word. But we just pray, Lord, that uh, the reality, even in the times that we are living, says, oh Lord, that persecution is coming. And we don't want to be overconfident and to commit the same mistake that Peter did, Lord. I don't know if when they will start knocking the doors and saying, do you believe or do you don't believe Jesus, you choose Christ or you don't, how will I respond? But one thing I know, you are faithful to empower us, O oh Lord, with your spirit in order for us to respond in a way that your name will be glorified. Will you do it for me? Will you do it for my brother and my sister? Will you do it for New Life Church? For your name's sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.